Are you ready to uncover your retirement solution? Learn more as Jeremy Kyle and his guests guide you along the path of retirement and reveal the five steps you need to take to solve your retirement puzzle. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to Retirement Revealed with Jeremy Kyle. Good morning, Jeremy. How are you? Good, Eric. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. I'm really excited. I know that you have a guest on the show today. Uh, can you go ahead and introduce the guest to the audience, please? Yeah. Well, I'm excited I got your name right because we, we uh, messed that up earlier. I did. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I know you care. That's good. That's it. That's good. That's good. Well, I've got Greg Edlin on the line, and he is the CEO and founder of CFO Unlimited. And I wanted to bring him on because he's my business accountant, so he keeps me out of trouble with the IRS, and we figure he might nice. be able to keep a few other people out of uh, trouble with the IRS. Yeah, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Yeah, Thank absolutely. you, Greg, so much for being here. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. I look forward to spending some time with you guys here this morning. Sure thing. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Greg? Sure. My name is Greg Edlin. I uh, lived in Milwaukee now for 12 years and have a lovely wife, Julie, three children. My oldest son is just went off to the Army and is loving it. My middle daughter loves horses. Our youngest son is just a social butterfly and loves Legos. We enjoy Milwaukee and love being here. Uh, as we've been here over the last 12 years, I started CFO Unlimited. It is a provides three main services, accounting services, the small businesses, nonprofits, and uh, churches, which are also nonprofits, but different. And as well as then provides payroll services to those same clients and then tax services to those clients and personal tax services to the owners or pastors of those, those organizations. Those are the three main services, accounting, payroll, and tax. We have just a, our, our niche is that we are all web-based, virtual, and able to service anyone anywhere. And we have very efficient systems that keep people's attention on the right things, just the numbers, but not the process so much, so that they are free to read the numbers and use them for their business, then be able to focus on what they like doing, which is whatever that is, making ice cream, investing, whatever they do, pastoring. I want to take the counting off their plate, so it's just not a burden to them and only helps them. Yeah, it's definitely be a lot less stressful not to have to figure out QuickBooks and all that kind of stuff and estimated taxes. And yeah. Every time I get a letter that looks official, I just send it over to Greg and it just, <laughs> life is easier. To do. <laughs> yep. And that's exactly. exactly what I want it to be. I want it to be something that's just like this, this thing that used to be a big problem, pain, scary thing to you. And now it's, it's just, it's taken care of. And that's our yeah. goal. It's just take Absolutely. care of it. I've got a few things I, I want to ask you about the, the company and so forth. i got to ask about your, your oldest son. You said he's in the Army. Can you share where he might be right now, or is that, uh, yeah, is that sure. top secret? Yeah, he's not, not top secret yet, He's uh, but he yeah, it was really cool. He, he, he decided to go into the Army on his own. It was not something I proposed to him or, or my wife. He kind of got honed in on it, and he wants to be an Army Ranger. That's his goal. So he went oh, to uh, Missouri. He's a combat engineer, did his basic training out there and individualized training out there. And then he went to Georgia and he has just got done with airborne school and now oh, that's waiting to go to, to Italy where he'll be based for, uh, I guess, the next three years. But then he does hope to come back and he'll train when he does in Georgia again to become an army ranger. And that's, he, it's been really cool because he, he calls us and he loves it. So, you know, it's one of those that's things good. you're like, 
you hope when he calls, he doesn't be like, I made a mistake. I hate it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he doesn't, you'd hate to hear that from your son or, you know, your daughter feeling like, oh, they're trapped, but he's loving it. And yeah, just, I'm really proud of him. Happy that he's found something that he enjoys. That's good. That's awesome. My dad was in the army, so I grew up an army brat and he, he retired after 21 <laughs> years. I was in ROTC for the army, but hurt my back. I couldn't go, go in. So I've got a lot uh-huh. of connections to the army. So just love to hear about that. Yeah. That means he's uh with oh, airborne. That means that you've, he's jumped out of perfectly good airplanes. That's their line. Exactly. I can't believe it. So, I mean, he's 18, just left the house within the last six months and he's jumped out of an airplane five times already. So <laughs> yep. exactly. Oh, amazing. Oh, cool. Well, you haven't yeah. been the owner of CFO Unlimited for forever. You used to work for a company doing different accounting things, and now you're working for yourself. Yeah. Do you mind describing those? What's the difference? What's it like to, to work for yourself? Sure. Um, so the, I mean, the, the big benefit is that you're your own boss. You are able to structure your life in ways that you don't have the option when you're an employee. Somebody else is making often those decisions for you. Be here at this time. Do it this way. I mean, if you work for a great company, they, they sometimes provide a lot of flexibility. But yeah, the, the big benefit that I love is just the ability to say, hey, I'm going to work today. I'm going to work late, go in late. I'm going to do this with my kids in the morning or whatever. You know, you can just make those types of decisions as you're able to. And uh, I mean, sometimes the work dictates what you do <laughs> instead of what mm-hmm. you want to do. But um, but that's but there's there's definitely more opportunity for that. And so I, I enjoy running my own business and uh, I really enjoy meeting lots of different customers. Uh, the customer, I enjoy the different people. Um, I, I waited tables growing up and that's what I loved about it was every, every table was different and every person was different. And so that's the same way it is with, with serving uh, when you're in your own business, you have lots of different clients as opposed to just your one employer perhaps. And so I've enjoyed that as well. So those are kind of like the intangible benefits of having your own business on the other side. Um, the, 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 the risks are, yeah, you have to bring in the money as opposed to mm-hmm. just having a set wage. It's all on you. And those, yeah. And that's all on you. And, and it just creates a whole set of different problems or not problems, but issues that you have to deal with as an employee, your employer takes care of pretty much your taxes all, all, all the way. As long as you fill out your W4 correctly, which sometimes can be difficult, <laughs> but as long as you do that, then your employer pretty much takes care of your taxes and you shouldn't have a problem when it comes time to fill out your tax return. Again, usually the problem, if there is a problem, is because the W-4 wasn't filled out correctly or changed based on your life circumstances, but, but pretty much it's all taken care of. And there's, there's two types of taxes that your employer is taking care of for you. There's employment taxes and there's income taxes. Everybody, when they think of taxes related to their wages, they think of income taxes. But there's actually two on there. And when you look at your pay stub, you see FICA and Medicare. Those are employment taxes. And pretty much your employer just withholds those from your 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 wages. Your what your and then your and they take it off your gross wage. And then you and then they take off your federal income tax and your state income tax. So you have those four things showing up on there, and you get your net pay. And then they submit your employment taxes, and then they submit your income taxes, and you never see your employment taxes again. That you you don't that doesn't show up on your tax return when you're an employee. All you're dealing with is your income taxes, 
on your tax return. Life is so Yeah, and all you see is when your you, own, really. Yeah, it's, that's all you see. A lot see. of people might go from on their own to go start their business, and they maybe are smart enough to look at their paycheck, they add it all up. You got to remember the employer is paying exactly yep. what you're paying, and it's double. Exactly. When you're on your own, it's double. Exactly. It's double. And so that's what, yeah, when you make that transition, there's this employment tax that you've never really had to deal with that now becomes your sole responsibility. And you're paying for yourself. So the employee pays a portion, which is what you see as an employee when you look at your pay stub. But then what you never see is that the employer is also paying the same amount that you are. So whatever you're paying, the employer is paying the same amount. And so the, the IRS is getting both of those. It's, it's what they withheld from yours and what the employer is paying. And when you go out on your own, you now are paying what you, what you would have paid as an employee plus what you're paying as your own employer. And the difficult thing there, too, is so not only are you paying both the employee and the employer portion of the employment taxes, you also have to submit them on your own in some way. So if you're not doing payroll, let's say you're just a sole proprietor or sole owner of an LLC, you are now responsible for not only paying both the employee and the employer portion, but you have to get that money to the IRS, which would come through estimated payments. I can't tell you, I mean, I can't tell you how many, I don't know, but every year, every single year, I get people, new, new people come to me, hey, can you help me? I went out on my own this year, and I just don't know what my, my tax situation, I don't know how this works. And by that time, that means they've gone an entire year, oh, essentially, sure. usually, <laughs> not paying their employment taxes or their income taxes on an estimated quarterly basis. And they don't realize how much, how far they've gotten behind, because they're thinking, oh, and they think, hey, this being self-employed is great. I make so much more money, and they... <laughs> they don't realize, oh, no, I don't. <laughs> sure, you make a ton of money if you don't to, give the IRS it, their, their fair yes. share. <laughs> and it's, it's always with, I mean, I hate it. I mean, but pretty much I can tell from the first conversation what they're describing to me. And I'm like, oh, I know where this is going. And I just hate it because that's just, it's just a tough hole. You've dug a big hole and you've got yourself in trouble. So if you are thinking about doing, being self-employed, starting your own business, I... I highly recommend whether it's me or anybody else talk to a tax professional and get ahead of it because you could get yourself in a position where you're, you're behind for, for years trying to catch yeah. up. It, it, it really can. It, it, it adds up fast because that employment tax is 15.3%. So every dollar you make. Joke. Yeah. So if you make a hundred thousand dollars, you owe the IRS, even if you have no income tax, you owe the IRS. $15,000. Yeah, <laughs> amazing. So it's, well, that's yeah, your first tip yeah. for today, I guess, is uh, before you start your own business, figure out the employment taxes. It might be double what you think, and you better pay yep. them on that quarterly, that estimated basis so you don't uh, fall behind at all. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Good. Well, what other steps outside of the employment taxes, what are other steps that someone should be taking if they're setting up their own business? So my, my business is really focused on small businesses and helping people run small businesses because they typically like to cut hair or make a product or sell insurance or whatever. They like to do that, but they're not accountants. Once you set up your own company, you either have to be an accountant, which most people are not 
designed to be and they don't like it, <laughs> or you have to hire an accountant. So figuring out which person you are is very important there. Like, can I handle doing my own books? Or even if you can handle it, do I want to do it? Is it going to be a headache? Am I going to hate it? Setting up a company, it's, it, it will require a great deal of accounting work. And so I'd say figure out what type of person. Can you do it on your own? Do you want to do it on your own? And if you, you do, then get QuickBooks and do it and do it. Stay up with it. I mean, you have to stay right on top of it every, every month at least. And so and the next thing, though, so I get a lot of questions since I do small businesses of people coming to me saying, all right, I want to start a company. What do I do? And here are the steps. <laughs> these are just these are the initial steps to get you set up in, in a way that will protect you and allow you to track your income and know what type of profit you're making. So first you want to determine what type of business structure you should use. And I'll come back to that. There's, there's multiple different types of business structures that you could use. And so you need to figure out which one is it that would fit best in my situation. Once you determine that, you would have to go to your state Department of Financial Institutions for Wisconsin. It's the DFI. Um, other states, it's either called that or the equivalent of that, and you register your business with that state, and you, you pick the type of business structure when you're doing that when you register with them. And then once you register with your state's DFI, then you need to go out to the IRS website and get an employment identification number, an EIN. And those two steps, honestly, will, can take 30 minutes or less. Yeah, it's not too hard. Usually keep yeah, that's not too hard at all. People think of that as like a big, oh, what's yeah. a good thing? I mean, right now, if you call me, we could have you set up in thirty less than 30 minutes. Sure. <laughs> it's that simple. You Once you set up your articles of incorporation with your state, that's what you get when you register with your state, and you get your EIN letter, then you take those two pieces of information, you go to your bank, and you set up a business bank account. And this is very important for both legal reasons and practical reasons. I'll talk about that in a second, but you want to have a separate bank account for your business. And so you use those two pieces of information. The next step is if you need it, depending on the type of business structure you've set up, you, you want to establish a board of directors. If you need that, you would establish a board of directors and you have your first board meeting. And there's, there's lists out there that, or I actually have a couple that give people, here's what a board meeting looks like, do these things. And then you want to also get adequate liability insurance coverage. This one is a little bit gray because, you know, you, you're just starting a business. You don't like spending thousands of dollars on insurance before you have any revenue maybe or something. So there is a fine line of like first building up some work perhaps before, but ultimately you want to get that liability insurance coverage. And that goes hand in hand with why you want a business bank account. The reason for those two things are they protect your liability coverage from, uh, or your liability risk from liability risk. So if you set up an LLC, a limited liability company, and you don't set up a bank account and you just run it all through your personal bank account, you've essentially told the courts, if you were ever sued, this is really a sole proprietorship. It's not an LLC. And the courts would look at that and say, Hey, you were just mixing your money. It's all your money. That means all that money and your personal assets are now open to be sued against. You don't want to put yourself in that position. No, so one of the things not. that you want, yeah, <laughs> one of the things you want to do is separate your personal assets from your business assets because an LLC gives you the legal protection where all they can go after is your business assets. But you have to make clear what are your business assets and what are your personal assets. 
And you do that by having a separate bank account and you put all of your income in the business income account and you pay all your business expenses from your business bank account. Very important. If you, if you're paying, if you're putting business income in both accounts and, and you're paying expenses from both accounts, business, it, the IRS, it, not the IRS, but the a court would look at that and go, Hey, nope, you're really just, you're just mingling, co-mingling funds. We can't tell what's business, what's, what's personal. Therefore, everything is again. So it's just a very key, key piece of the puzzle. People can go, you can go set up the bank account, but if you don't use it right, you're, you're, you're essentially call it, you're piercing that veil of liability coverage that the law is giving you. So yeah, it's a very big, and the, the insurance is also goes along with that. Courts have looked at companies who have gotten sued and they don't have any liability insurance and they say, well, yeah, you set up an LLC, you set up your bank account, you're keeping everything separate, but you didn't function like a, a, a business gets insurance. And therefore, if you don't have enough liability insurance coverage, what they would call an adequate amount, then, then again, they can say, well, now you have to use your personal assets to ensure the coverage that you didn't get. <laughs> That's essentially mm-hmm. what they do. Two just very important things, uh, on, more on the liability side. But then also on the practical side, that separate bank account, if you put all your business income in there and all your business expenses, even if you're not a good accountant, if you go hire one later, then then that accountant like me can go out, download all your information and get you pretty much squared away pretty quickly. So it's very practical way as well. Perfect. So yeah, that's how you set up. You want to determine type of business, register your state, register with your state, get an EIN number, open a bank account, establish a board of directors if needed, get adequate liability insurance coverage, and then go run your business and keep track of everything. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, I, I was keeping track of that. I've got seven things and uh, that's this is helpful because people come to me all the time asking about wanting to set up a business. A lot of our clients are 55, 60, 65. They're in jobs where they maybe don't necessarily want to keep working for the company they're working for, but they want to do the yep. same type of work. So they figure if I retire, they're not retiring to the beach. They're retiring to set up yep. their own company and they're asking us questions on this. So this is this is helpful. Before I said, talk to Greg. Now, now I'm going to say, here's the seven things and then go talk to Greg. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, because it really is. I mean, what I just described isn't, it, 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 it leads to the accounting, but it's really just basic business. Yeah. It's very important to get that. People tend to not know about that stuff and they just, mm-hmm. they don't, they don't know what even questions to ask or details to do. And, and so yeah. yeah, pass that list For around sure. because it's a, huge headache for both them and me if I if you hire me to do your book player or some other accountant then we're not trying to go back to step one or two three and say oh hey you should have done this mm-hmm. you should have done this yeah yeah well those seven things real quick again are number one decide your structure two go get registered with the state three get the EIN with the IRS four go get a separate bank account at your bank keep it separate from your your personal five, get a board of directors if needed, six, get liability insurance, and seven is keep all your business income and expenses into and out of the business account. Don't mix it with your personal. So those are the seven. But the first one, decide the structure, that's number one for a reason. Can you tell us about, uh, and that's kind of the biggest question, should I have a C-Corp, an S-Corp, all these different uh, terms that are out there. How should somebody go about deciding their business structure? (laughs) So let me just firstly, like the most popular or the primary ones are just sole proprietorship 
That is, you don't do anything except you just put a shingle out or, you know, set up a website today. Mm-hmm. And you don't, you don't do anything with the state. You don't, and you don't, you could still go get an EIN number in that situation, but essentially you've set up no business structures, just you, you are the business. And the second one is called an LLC, limited liability company. That one, you go out and you register with your state and it's a particular company. What that one does is it essentially is like a sole proprietorship, but it gives you a level of liability coverage legally. So, so what you're saying is it's not me that's the business. It's the separate entity that I've set up. And therefore, if you want to sue, the, sue, sue me because I did something wrong, then you have to sue this LLC and its assets, not me and all my assets. So it just provides you a level of coverage. Partnership is a very loose sort of organization. The next one, which is just you and a person kind of say, hey, we're going to split up the assets and the income of 50-50. And that's, there, it, it doesn't, there's different types of partnerships that you can set up. But I, I'm just going to mention that one because it is an option, but it's not, it's not one that I've ever recommended to somebody. I'm sure there's a scenario where it makes sense if you can set up an LLC or an S-Corp, I, I would suggest that. And then the next is an S-Corp. And so an S-Corp is, it provides, so LLCs just really just give you a legal entity. S-Corps are a little bit more formal, rigid in their rules. Um, so like with an S-Corp, you, you, you need to have board meetings and you need to make sure that you, the, the board decides certain things every year and stuff like that. So it's like an LLC, but with a little bit more oversight, both from the board and the state. And it, there's there's a limited number of shareholders. You have to have shares, not not just ownership percentages. And so it adds another level. But it also uh, the advantage of S corps is, is it allows the profits of the business to only be taxed. We talked about employment taxes earlier and income taxes. The profits of the business are not subject to employment taxes. And that's a big difference between a, an LLC and a sole proprietorship. Those both sole proprietorships, LLCs, and partnerships, the income of the business is subject to both employment and income taxes. But S-Corps, the profit is only, is only subject to income taxes, not employment taxes. So it, it can be a very helpful tool in saving taxes. C-Corp is the next level. And that one is, that's what you think of when you think of publicly traded companies. C-Corps get taxed themselves. Everything prior to this, S-Corp, partnership, LLC, sole proprietorship, they all get taxed at the individual level. The income flows through the company to the, to the owner, and it gets taxed on your personal tax return. C-Corps run their own, they, they file their own tax return, and they get taxed only on, on the profit or on the profit of the company, and they get taxed at a lower income rate, uh, income tax rate than people do. And so there's, and that there's it's much easier to add on many, many shareholders, whereas S-Corps, it's limited the number of shareholders. C-Corps are just much more flexible in being able to grow a company. And if you want to keep money in your company and keep it from being taxed at the higher personal rate, you can do that with a C-Corp, and it can save you lots of money, taxes, and while well, you keep the money in the business, growing the business. Whereas the others, the money still, all, all the money gets taxed at some level at personal tax rates. So there's just, depending on what type of company you're setting up and kind of your own ability to manage your income and taxes 
will determine what type of business structure you want. Mm-hmm. Well, it just shows right there why you ought to be talking to some sort of accountant that knows this stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You you want to think through it because there's advantages and disadvantages to each, and so you really want to think about uh, almost anybody that comes to me. I, I I would not advise anybody to be a sole proprietor. If you're going to be a sole proprietor, be an LLC. At least do something to give you some level of coverage, mm-hmm. uh, liability protection. So I always recommend being an LLC. And like I said, like this, and sometimes people though they're just like I don't. I just, I'm a simple person. I just want to be, <laughs> it's like, okay, okay I can't yeah. argue with you. You know, um, yeah. that's what you'll do. Uh, that's fine. But I won't, I, I just always make clear. I don't advise that, but I understand it. Mm-hmm. Like, go ahead. That's, that's great. I can help you out with that too. Most cases, if you, if you, if you're, if you start a business and you are going to have regular income and you can pay yourself a, a regular salary, there's a thing that you can do. You can be an LLC, which is, this is what a lot of people do. They, you can be an LLC and then you can apply for escort status. So you're getting all the flexibility of being an LLC, the legal flexibility. And then you're getting all the tax advantages of being an escort and you can combine the two. That's what I, that's, that's what I do for my business. That's what I often do. As long as you're earning, the key here is you, there's two things. You need to be able to one, you need to be able to pay yourself a regular salary and what the IRS calls a reasonable salary. So, I mean, typically, if it's a small business, 50000 can even be reasonable, even a little lower than 50000 depending on how much money you make. But, I mean, then once you get past 50000 you can you can almost argue anywhere along the line that, that it's a reasonable salary. I mean, Warren Buffett runs Berkshire Hathaway, and he only makes $100,000 a year. Sure. Um, <laughs> So, I, I mean, I personally, you can live on 100000 So, like, if you can make it your quote-unquote reasonable salary, it, 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 that salary is the only thing that gets charged both employment and income taxes. Mm-hmm. Then everything else past that only gets charged, gets, gets, uh, charged income taxes. So you, you can save quite a bit of money by, by being able to set up an S-Corp. The second thing, though, with an S-Corp is, you need to be able to, so this is what the difference between an LLC and an S-Corp is. You need to be able to, if your money, if your business is making profit, you need to be able to, to not have to draw on the current year's profit until it's been taxed. And so essentially the first year you set up an S-Corp, you want, it, it can be hard because you're like, hey, I have all that money out there. I want it now. The IRS says, hey, wait, you need that that money to be taxed before you take it. And so this is where the board comes in. The board comes in, you, you have your first year of profit, and then the board says, okay, we're going to pay out the profit. And so you have 2020, you've made a bunch of money. We're going to pay out the profit in January 21. That The, the money has now been taxed because it's, quote, unquote, going to go on your tax return, 2019 tax return. And so now you can get a big distribution. So you have to be able to live on what you make. Once you get past that first year, though, you're kind of in the clear because now you've got all that money from 2020 and 2021, and you don't need the profits from 2021 until 2022. <laughs> so, but there's a lot of people that don't have, I don't know if it's discipline or, or what it is there, but they want to take that money out right away. Well, IRS, if they see you doing that, they're going to say, hey, you're not, you're not functioning as an S-Corp. That, you're, that's really taxable wages. And they're going to say, that should be, you should be treating that as wages. That should be taxed, not as mm-hmm. profit that's being distributed later. 
So yeah. you need to have a, a little bit of, of re- ability to resist there. I just talk to people and I figure out where they're at, what they want to do. And then the C-Corp is very advantageous. If you if you think you've got something and you want to go public one day, C-Corp is the way to go. But if you're just doing small business and most small businesses, LLC or S-Corp or LLC functioning as an S-Corp are the way to go. Yeah, that's helpful because I get that all the time. People are asking, you know, if they're going to go be a consultant, what do they do? Or if they're starting a business, what do they do? So that's that's helpful yeah. to walk through LLC, S-Corp, C-Corp, all that kind of stuff. That's that's good. Well, you didn't go straight from even the corporate world right to your role here at CFO Unlimited. You made a little pit stop in the nonprofit <laughs> world. And that's something I hear all the I time did. too from our, our folks where you get the 55 plus, you think, okay, I've had this career Maybe I'm active in a church or a nonprofit. I'd rather spend some time. I, I heard the word just even this week. I want to be maybe missional for a little bit of time yep. as opposed to maybe yep. money at, at, for a little bit of time. You need the money to be able to, be, yep. to, to run the mission for sure. <laughs> yep. on there. But yep. you, can you tell us a little bit about that, about that? How did you get into the nonprofit world? What was that like? What's the differences? What's it like coming back into a, a more career, you know, money business type of type of deal? As I, I kind of alluded to this a bit, I, I, in, in terms of what I enjoy about being a, my own employer is just the flexibility it gives me to, to live life uh, the way that I think I've been designed to do it, the way that, that God has called me to do it. I like to have mission and purpose in what I'm doing. And so I graduated an accounting finance degree, went into public accounting, and I can remember one day just putting down the most recent financial statements I'd worked up for, for a client on the partner's desk and looking at it and going, is this what I'm going to do for the rest of my life? For me at the time, it was just a, it was a, it was just a, an activity. I couldn't see how it fits in the bigger purpose of, of how does this really help people? So yeah, so I ended up taking a detour. I thought, well, I want to help people. And so I went and became, went to, to uh, divinity school got a master's of divinity and went into being a pastor and started a church, which was kind of uh, along the lines with my entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. It's like a startup business too. It is uh, it very much is. And, and it was nice because I did have, I mean, I was working with a couple partner partners who were pastors and we were starting this church together and they didn't have any financial legal background at all. And so it was just, I, I provided, I was able to provide that as we started up. And I do that now for a lot of churches because, yeah, it's just it, that's not typically a skill set that pastors <laughs> carry with them. So I went into that. And then after after some time, I realized, hey, I, I, I'm not designed to be a pastor. I'm, I'm designed to be an accountant. Let's go back to doing that. But when I went back to it now, I very much seek to make what we do about not just making me money or employees money or the business money, but I see it as a way to engage with others to help them out. Yeah, I, I know, I mean, you don't have to take the path that I took to get to this thing to conclusion, but it, it, to see like how frustrating accounting is for so many people and to know, hey, I'm taking that off their plate. And in, in terms of, those who are running their own business, I'm making their lives easier. But I do a lot of churches and nonprofits, and I love that because there's mission in those places. Like, you know, and I love the fact that I'm helping them focus on their mission more and, and less on the 
practical accounting. I mean, they still, I give them, I, I love giving helpful financial reports to people. And then we, then I'm able to say, all right, here's your, here's your financial picture. And they're able to make decisions. But in terms of those, so I, yeah, I, I did it kind of backwards. I, I <laughs> went and did the, the missional stuff first and then now doing the, 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 the corporate world second. But I understand that. I mean, I still pull, I, I've located my, my, my physical location in, in an area of Milwaukee that's not, it's, 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 it's in a, uh, economically depressed area. And I've done it just for the purpose. I, because I do everything virtually. So I, I, it's not a place that I have to have clients coming in and out all the time, but I want to be there where is this business, if it grows, will have a rippling effect in the community. And that's my hope. I still have that. And I know, so like, if you're not able to find that in your employment, well, then I totally understand wanting to, to go find that or do that, especially if, yeah, if you've built up and you've got retirement, now you can move on to a next step of being able to be less concerned about making money and more about helping your neighbor. So if you do that, that kind of goes back to, even if you're getting, if you do that in a way that you're self-employed, you're back to where we were talking about at the beginning. You, you've got to figure out your employment taxes and income taxes. If you're doing it in a way where you're just living off your retirement, but going to, to you're essentially paying your own salary through your retirement and then, then working in a nonprofit or you know some sort of mission-focused entity or, or, or goal. And you still, when, you, when you transition from working full-time, getting your W-2s, doing your tax return, and it all works out to retirement income. You really, you, you do want to stop and figure out how you're going to get your taxes paid and what taxes you're going to owe. So you, you essentially end up in the same situation that I was talking about where you have people going out to be self-employed and they don't realize all the taxes that they might owe on the income that they, they get from their retirement accounts. And so it would be really wise to sit down with a tax professional and say, all right, how do I set up? And this is, and, and I know uh, Jeremy, you do this well, like with people, but just, it would be good to make sure you're getting your taxes withheld right as the money's coming out, as opposed to trying to make estimated payments. But then there still may be a situation where if you are getting retirement income and you've set up, you start your own business, you're going to need to make estimated payments. So you just, you just want to, so you're you're back to where we were at talking about employment taxes, income taxes, possibly setting up a company, and then you want to make estimated taxes. And the best way to do that is to if you have a company and so your income fluctuates, you want to your your tax accountant will be able to come up with a standard. Hey, here's what you here's what I'm estimating based on last year and what you're expecting this year that you'll owe. But then. If you end up making more or you end up making less, you want to be able to check in with your, your tax account and say, okay, here's what I've made thus far. And this is what I like doing is with small businesses is I do their books and then I'm able to just look at their tax, the, per, the owner's tax situation every quarter and say, hey, you don't need to make that payment this quarter because you didn't make as much money. Or, hey, you made more money than you expected. You need to make a bigger tax payment. If you are doing that, for in your retirement, kind of like, hey, yeah, like you're saying, I was doing this for my work, but I still want to do it, but I just want to do it on my own. Well, now you've entered that realm. Or if you are, even if you're, if you set up your own nonprofit, you're still entering that realm. And if you are just living off your retirement and 
doing work for others for free, you still want to talk to a tax accountant to make sure. Uh, I've run into several people in that situation who end up owing a bunch of money and they're they're confused and it, yeah, that's it, no fun. It, it's painful. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you shared a bit about uh, being in a nonprofit world, running your own business, being in a corporate world. Thanks for thanks for sharing that because a lot of people view their money and their mission as if it's got to be separate like their money and their, their faith or their passion, whatever they want to call it, they feel like it's a completely different thing than their career. And you've been a career-focused area. You've been the passion, the nonprofit-focused area, and now working as your own boss, as your own company there, you've kind of combined it all. I love how you're talking about where you're you're helping people, helping people, you kept saying over and over on that. And if that, that's something that you can do, you can go out and help people as part of your your career, as part of your own business, whatever it is that you want to be able to help people with, you can, you can go ahead and do it. You don't have to wait until retirement to do that. You can. And that's, it took me 10 years of going the pastoral route to figure that out. So you don't have to go that route. Yeah. You can combine things. It just, yeah. When I was setting that, that those, those financial statements down on that partner's desk, I just could not see, I couldn't connect how we were helping people at that time. And, And we weren't, I mean, in the organization I was working for wasn't, there wasn't a sense of mission in what they were saying, but I could have made a connection there of how I was helping people. But I do like it to be more, not in the background, but in the foreground. And so, yeah, if you run your own business, you can you can do that. For sure. Well, we've got to get wrapping up, but I want to get one last bit of advice from you to a lot of our folks that are hitting retirement because you've talked about just real quickly and related it a lot to the business owner. But a lot of people hit retirement and they get their accountant telling them in the second year that you need to go ahead and do these quarterly estimates, uh, these quarterly estimated mm-hmm. tax withholdings. They come to me freaking out. They hate it. They think it's the worst <laughs> thing in the world. They feel like it's a punishment. And then they tell me, well, I want the government to get as little of my money as late as possible. So sometimes they're skipping it on purpose and then they end up owing penalties. And I'm just thinking you're hurting yourself in the foot here. So what I see, and I'll, I'll share a little bit what, what I see, and then maybe you can give me some uh, advice or the people I talk to some advice where uh, people get these quarterly estimates. It's the first time they've ever had to do it because you've had 40 years of a career. Everything's withheld from a paycheck. Next thing you know, you're taking on pension, you're taking on social security. And sometimes those pensions, they say, oh, they don't withhold. Well, they could, you got a form you could go do. Uh, they don't withhold on social security. Well, they could, there's a form you could go do. Or they take money out from the IRAs and they just go with whatever was suggested, not necessarily what meets their uh, situation. So for, for those folks, if you hit retirement and it's the first year in retirement that your accountant has said, you need to do some quarterly estimated tax withholding, what should they be doing? The first thing I would do is try to get them set up as much, like I said though, I would, I would advise them, hey, let's work with your pension, your retirement to get anything we can, withheld withheld so that way you're that way it's functioning more like when you were an employee and that's what you're used to and so i would i would push for that but like i said some people it, it takes work in some sense to do it you have to go find the form you have to fill it out you have to make sure you got the right right which is what you want to work with your accountant on and there is a penalty if you don't give it to them on time yep oh yeah absolutely yeah they, they're they're going to say i mean you have to pay what is it, 110% of the prior year or 90% of the current year, whichever is lower, you have to pay that amount on time in order to avoid penalties. And, and so if you just wait till the end of the year, you will, you, will owe an, you will owe interest and penalties. So you're actually paying them more 
by not paying it along the way. And so the first thing I would do is get as much, or even if you want to, if you have multiple retirement accounts, you can use one. This gets a little tricky, but it's, well, I would, I would just advise, let, let's just start by saying each one. So if you, if you should be withholding 20% federal and 6% state, have every retirement account withholding those amounts when you, yeah. when you take the money, if it's taxable, but if it's taxable distributions. Sure. Um, I like that. We tell people that all the time. You're used to your paycheck. You're used to the way it was. Let's not mess with it. Let's just try to replicate that as much as possible, and then it'll be less stress. You know, yep. hitting retirement's big enough stress to begin with. Let's try to keep the taxes low stress if you can. And and here's the thing: if you do that, it's efficient too. So like, if you don't do that, and you're going to go to your accountant, well, I, I that takes up my time. I have to charge you now to come up, and I got to figure out how much did you take out this quarter because maybe you took out some extra for home repairs. And then, so then you've got to go back and figure out, okay, I took out this much money this, this last quarter. And when that happens, now you've, you've created a scenario where work has to be done to calculate what your estimated payment is. You've already taken the money out. You probably are going to have to take out another withdrawal to cover the, the estimated payment. It's just, it, it becomes very inefficient. Now, but now if people don't, if you don't set up your retirement account, to withhold the, the taxes that are due. You do want to make estimated payments and you'll want to work with uh, your tax professional to do that. People are already upset that they have to make these estimated tax payments. And then what salt on the wound is, now you got to pay somebody to help you figure out mm-hmm. <laughs> what your estimated tax payments are should be. Honestly, I'm, when I'm saying set up all your, your retirement accounts to withhold the taxes for you, I, I'm saying don't come and pay me money. Yeah, right. To, to, to do this for you. And I, I would prefer that. I would prefer it because it's just, it's not efficient, fun work for it, for me. And it's not, it, it, it's not fun for you because now you're paying your taxes and you're paying to figure out your taxes. And then if you don't make the payments, then you're paying interest. I mean, it's just, it's just way more efficient to figure out what's my tax rate and let's get those withheld right from the beginning. But if you don't do that, then just be ready to pay your tax person and learn how to, he'll tell you or she'll tell you, hey, this is the information I need from you every quarter. And the way I do it is I just send out an email saying, hey, you, you give me this information. And if you're, if you're good at tracking that stuff, then maybe you can learn to, here's the information I need to give them. But if you're not, then you get that email and you go, oh, I got to go find all this information. It just becomes a barrier to getting it done. Mm-hmm. And it's a headache for you. And I, I, that's why, again, I just keep going back to set them up to, to withhold if you can because it's way easier. Well, the good news is you, you don't owe estimated taxes unless you made any money. And the other good news yep. is that there's ways <laughs> you can make it a lot more simple and a lot less less of a burden for you. So that's that's good. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, great. Thanks so much for being being on here. And I'm thinking, Eric, you're you're listening to this and you probably got it. you could probably go get your MBA right now just from everything Greg Greg talked about. <laughs> of course. But this is not the first time I've talked to Greg. Uh, yeah, true. <laughs> you, you actually referred me to him uh, months ago and I've had a great conversation uh, with him uh, you know over the phone before. So it's it was fantastic for him to be on the show today. And I can talk from personal experience. If if you're listening to this going, man, there's a lot of boxes that that I haven't checked off yet when it comes to all the things he's talked about, give him a call. Uh, so I guess yeah, my next question for you, Greg, is how do people get a hold of you? <laughs> well, um, let's see. They can get a hold of me through email, which is greg.edlund at cfounlimited.com. 
Greg is G-R-E-G. Edlund is E-D-L-U-N as in Nancy. D as in dog. And then also you can go to my website, cfounlimited.com. There's a form there. You can fill that out. It comes to me. And phone number is 608-616-4303, extension 1. Be happy to, to yeah, answer any questions from anybody. Great, Greg. Thank you so much. And, and, of course, Jeremy, thank you so much for bringing Greg on the show today. Yeah, it's been fun. All right. Any closing thoughts from you, Jeremy? I, I think we're good to go. We, sh- we shared a lot here. I'm going to get this typed up. That's seven things you need to do when you start your business. So you'll find that on our website uh, pretty soon after this podcast launches. Awesome. 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 And of course, the last thank you goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you for tuning in and listening to the Retirement Revealed podcast with Jeremy Kyle. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Jeremy comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thank you for listening today. For everyone at Kyle Financial Partners, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Retirement Revealed podcast. Click on the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit retirement-revealed.com to learn more. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Kyle Financial Partners. Kyle Financial Partners does not provide legal, accounting, or tax advice. Consult your attorney or tax professional. Representatives have general knowledge of the Social Security tenants. For complete details on your situation, contact the Social Security Administration. Kyle Financial Partners is a part of the Thrivent Advisor Network, a registered investment advisor. Content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.